Conversely Trans is an intergenerational podcast series exploring trans culture. The podcast developed by the Sterlings Collective with funding from Create in collaboration with Tenny, with continued participation of the trans community, explores invisible histories and culture through intergenerational dialogue and archival materials. Having worked closely with members of the trans community over the last two years, the collective recognized the need for intergenerational dialogue and community care for trans people, and this podcast aims to be one part of this. Hi, I'm Alexandra. And I'm Jules. And this is the Conversation Trans Podcast. Oh, and today we have our special guest, Ollie. Would you like to introduce yourself, Ollie? Hi, uh, I'm Ollie. I'm Ollie. Um, I, I guess uh, I'm I'm non-binary. I use they them pronouns, um, and I I would describe myself as like an activist. Uh, I'm the co-founder of Trans and Intersex Pride Dublin, and um, yeah. And what item have you brought today, Ali? Uh, I brought uh, a notebook. Uh, it has uh, I write poetry and so whenever I'm like asked to do any poetry I kind of write it down in this notebook and read from there yeah that's cool because I actually know you did poetry <laughs> yeah not many people kind of know I do poetry yeah <laughs> it's about to change yeah <laughs> do you have anything you want to read for today uh sure um no passion but i know oh, I'm sorry. um yeah i i have this poem called uh binaries and so obviously i'm like non-binary so i'm gonna like write about my experiences of being kind of caught between like the binary gender uh but yeah I can go. Yeah. Bodies in distress, chained to a false sense of security. Thought I had it all figured out. But this world only comes in computer code, taught to think in sets of opposites. Reject one set of rules only to be pushed and examined with another manual. Are you questions all the time shades of pink and blue which one are you what are you constantly which word can i prescribe to you mask or fen set yourself along a narrow understanding can't i just figure this out myself instead i am pulled pushed dragged to the other side pink was a birthright blue still doesn't fit i exist in a world of binaries only ever binaries i'm not blue but you think i must be some shade of that hue it's easier better to wrap your head around Rosé, let your body bathe in it or adorn your skin with lapis and sapphire. But this body feels wrong, feels false to paint it over with pink and blue. You can't choose which suits me, none of them do. 
can't plot myself along a limited x and y axis let me follow my own tune dance beyond a spectrum with two fixed points let me be free to bathe in the colors i see fit whether that be purple yellow or green that was so cool <laughs> thank you <laughs> I actually i love how um visual like languages if you get me yeah yeah i i'm not like i am not a good word person yeah i kind of just like the i feel like when i'm writing a poem it kind of the language and the the imagery kind of comes naturally to me and i kind of see the words and kind of i like write them down and sometimes i'm like oh this sentence sounds cool and I kind of work from there. Yeah, um, I, I I feel like maybe I get that in like an art, like visuals, like yeah, yeah. You know, like if I'm trying to think of like when I think of like sports, I see things and kind of like movements, like ellipses and stuff. Kind of like that's like the the emotion I guess I associate it, like those shapes, like circles and like curves and yeah, moves and like triangles. I think that's like really dynamic. And then, like, I'm, like, technology, I'd be, like, oh, like, squares. And, like, yeah, I... I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I feel like with poetry, um, it's kind of, like, the words will come to me or I kind of see the word, the world in, like, words and sentences and that's kind of where the poetry comes from. Um, Do you read a lot? Yeah, yeah. Um, well... I've got yeah I've heard like people sorry who love reading just say that a couple of times yeah I I do like reading um I I guess I should read more but um but when I do have the time uh I do like to read even if it's just like a few pages a day you know yeah do you know who loves to read who <laughs> my very special friend Jules oh right sorry i think i fixed the sound i'm not sure but that's what i was doing i thought it was a lovely poem and it was like very descriptive as well but yeah i do like read a lot so even i like you all have the opposite problem i want to like write more because all i do is read it's like uh, a problem yeah it's just sometimes really hard to just fit in like there's not enough hours in the day to like just dedicate to just reading. I um yeah. I on the other hand do not read at all. Yeah, I know. So Well, do you have a favorite collection of poetry then? Or just a favorite book? Um, I I'm a really big fan of Sylvia Plath. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, and I just read her like one the bell jar and I thought it was amazing during the summer. But it honestly is quite like I wouldn't say depressing, but some people would just say, like, evocative of, like, how, where she was in her life as, like, a young woman, like, close to death almost. But, yes, I loved it. Yeah. What, wait, who is this author? author? Oh, it's this poet, American poet from, like, the 1960s. And oh, she, so... wrote, she wrote a lot of poems about just how she was feeling and her sadness. You know, and probably there's a better way to explain how she's actually feeling instead of just saying about her sadness. But she was like a 60s housewife. And I don't, I think she had like clinical depression. It wasn't like considered a thing. And then she like 
killed herself by putting her head oh. in an oven, I believe. And Oof. she just wrote about what led her to that. You kind of say, I don't know. I'm not really like the best at describing things like that. Yeah. I mean, I mostly found out about her when I was doing my leaving search. Um, and, you know, at that time, I was a closeted, bisexual, non-binary person. Didn't even know non-binary or trans was a thing that I could be, you know. Uh, so I was dealing with a lot of, like, mental health stuff and kind of reading her poetry. It wasn't a thing of, like, oh, she's so depressing to me. It was kind of like, oh, my God, someone understands the kind of, you know, there's this one yeah. poem... Uh, I forget the name of it, but it's like about having like the bees and like a beekeeper and like that's kind of a metaphor for her thoughts and her depression. And at that time, I was just like, yes, like having so many thoughts in your head and like not understanding why I'm feeling this way um, really resonated with me. Um, so so I just loved her poetry when I uh, I still love her poetry but especially when I was like doing it for my leaving cert I just like fell in love with it I yeah I mean like this is what I'm saying about art like it's just it, it kind of has this like I guess it's like emotional kind of connection that you can make with it and it can really help you kind of like figure out yourself and your emotions and stuff really impact how you view the world I, I love art um yeah I mean I come from a family of like artists like my mom is like does like painting and uh, my sister is really good at like you know drawing sketching that kind of thing I was unfortunately not blessed with the visual arts aspect of it but I do love like writing uh poetry um and I like uh, my undergrad was in drama and theatre so I was kind of like gifted in that kind of creativity but not in the kind of like drawing something like I can't even draw like a straight line or a circle I mean that's it though. like not I didn't know like art spreading and any other kind of art or anything like that it's just like I don't know I, I love art there's something recently I was trying to think there's something recently that made me kind of feel that way oh do you know what I was a series of unfortunate events on um Netflix. You know, you know how it's like all about being a kid and like no one really listens to you and no one's really aware of what's going on in your yeah, life. Uh, that that yeah, that that really spoke to me. Uh, cool. I have actually not read any of the books or seen the Netflix thing. Um I think yeah, it's just uh it seems like good um has have you feel like anything you like you've read or like any of your authors have inspired like any of your political activism or anything like that um yeah i mean i try to kind of um uh like i try to read like <laughs> marx and angles and that kind of thing uh but i kind of find the attention span as like trying to read them very difficult but um one mm. person I really enjoy reading is uh Leslie Feinberg now they're um, like dead but um uh they kind of um 
write about like uh trans activism at kind of this like liberating ourselves from the likes of like the gender binary and gender stereotypes um and kind of um and linking that to like capitalism which i i would consider myself uh, a socialist uh that i think that especially trans rights and trans liberation like it i i don't believe it can we can be fully liberated under capitalism so i would see like you know a world where we're not kind of where the rule of profit isn't the sole focus of our lives that that we can like that it's possible for us to live in a world where you know there's enough food for people that that housing isn't an issue that everyone is housed you know where we have enough resources to so that no one is homeless no one's hungry no one is kind of working in a job that's underpaying them um and that kind of thing so i guess like a lot of their uh leslie feinberg's work and because they did uh identify as a socialist as well as uh, a trans activist and so i i write uh or read um some of their stuff and yeah yeah i i mean i i agree with that like as long as kind of you're making a profit from healthcare, trans people are always going to be a risk of exploitation yeah, yeah. So I feel like, I guess, like, my version of that is, like, YouTubers who kind of make videos and stuff about that kind of stuff. Like, uh, James Stephanie Sterling, I mentioned a few times in the podcast, and ContraPoint, what's her name, Natalie Worm? Natalie yeah, ContraPoints, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Contra- yeah. Did you watch her? Yeah, yeah, I've watched some of her stuff. Um, I'm trying to remember uh there's like I really enjoyed her uh non-binary video um and so that because I guess I come off I come across a lot of the arguments around the kind of like trans medicalism um and how I guess this idea that you that being trans is a mental illness and that that if you don't completely hate your body and that you despise it that you can't be trans and you know I I get a lot of it because I'm non-binary and and because I'm someone who is very much like we need to break the gender binary we need to get rid of gender stereotypes and just having a trans woman and kind of articulate those arguments and combating them was so refreshing because I'm kind of like I completely I completely like um sorry oh like because she's like trans binary yeah it's just kind of having someone who you know like I guess like fits into the binary kind of combating those like arguments was like refreshing to hear and it also means that I get to have an understanding of those arguments and how to combat those arguments as well yeah Uh, I mean I'm not a fan of kind of binary trans binary because it's very 
I mean, to me, it's kind of the same thing as like, you know, like all women have to be Barbie dolls. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, yeah. It is very much like the the idea that you need dysphoria to be trans and that you need to kind of conform to gender stereotypes to be, you know, like the true trans person or uh, or if you're not, then you're faking it. It is very much like it is what you know doctors and the medical institution want us to be in this kind of like such a transphobic view of what being trans is and it's really sad to see like trans people kind of echoing these like transphobic arguments um i i had that when i had to get a i was this a psychoanalysis to go to a endocrinologist um yeah where she basically kind of said like I, I was like, well, I know I want to be on hormones. I don't know if, I don't know if trans woman is the right identity for me yet, or if I'm maybe more fluid or just, you know, trans feminine. But she was like, no, you have to be a trans woman or you don't get them. Yeah. Um, and in a way, like, I, I wouldn't say, I, like, I, I do identify as trans woman, but it's like, I still shouldn't be forced into that kind of Yeah. Like, you you should have the freedom to kind of explore your identity and that. Yeah, well, because that's it. It was like, I know how I want my body to be, but it's my identity that I guess I was kind of like, I don't know what word I like exactly kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah. And it's unfortunate that we live in a society, like with the, the poem I just read, you know, where you feel pressured into conforming to one or the other, like even... I know um, as a non-binary person, I still feel like a pressure to conform to male or female, you know, I I still feel yeah. like some days I don't feel like I'm trans enough to even use the term trans or that I like will wear a dress one day and I'll be like, well, am I just faking it? Um, and that's sort of like that's not me. Like in my head, I'm like, but this is society telling me that I'm not trans enough, that I'm faking it, that I'm looking for attention, um, and that kind of thing. It's not, like this isn't coming from myself. Like this is coming from society telling me uh, that I have to conform to either or like male or female uh masculine or feminine you know yeah absolutely because um i don't know i i I guess i get that as well because there's days where i'll be like i don't really want to present really very femme today and then it's like i don't feel dysphoria and then it's kind of like well is that am i really trans at all and it's like ugh. yeah yeah i i get that as well that there are times where I'm like oh should I look more masculine because like oh the gender I was assigned at birth was female so there's this kind of conception that I would want to be more masculine and then there is like sometimes I'm just like well I just kind of like the way I feel comfortable presenting is more androgynous uh but even androgyny as a concept is very tied into the binary of like the kind of like soft mask 
aesthetic and sometimes I feel like I don't fit into that either yeah um so it is androgyny kind of nearly like I am it's like well if you're not if you're going to be an uh non-binary then you better present as androgynous like isn't there kind of pressure there yeah 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 there is a pressure like um I feel like just from my own experience when I first came out um I completely you know went so for most of my life I was presenting before I came out I was presenting very feminine like I was and like I enjoyed that I I liked wearing dresses I I didn't really like wearing makeup but I used to have like really long hair um and I enjoyed those feminine aspects and once I realized I was non-binary I felt a pressure to kind of to to present more masculine uh, yeah. and I went completely to the other side of the spectrum where was like I was like uh, super masculine like threw out all my makeup refused to wear dresses that kind of thing and and I didn't like it and so I've kind of feel like at that point I was trying to convey that I was trans enough to other people and I was left kind of like I was left like really insecure because I felt like I couldn't wear dresses because I was being told that I like me being non-binary was attention seeking so I kind of felt like I yeah I just I feel like I'm at a more comfortable position now in my identity that I feel like I don't have to kind of force myself to perform more masculine, you know. And um, was, was there any kind of like people, I guess, like role models or like kind of mentor figures that you kind of are maybe look to kind of and how to express yourself or? Yeah, I I feel like with role models this might sound a bit weird but I am so inspired by younger trans people and this might like I'm only like 24 but I feel like teenage like trans people trans people who are in secondary school who are out who are like identifying as non-binary as like gender fluid I find that so inspiring because when I was in secondary school you know I didn't know what non-binary meant. I didn't know that, like, I thought that being trans meant that you, like, this idea of, like, being born in the wrong body. I thought, you know, you had to show signs since you were a baby that you were, like, supposed to be born the other gender. And so seeing young trans people out and proud, like, I find that so inspiring, like, those people are my role models and um, I had something similar to that because I, like what I always heard was like a woman's brain in a man's body yeah yeah and to me that that's the most confusing because I was like well it's your own brain like what does your brain have to do anything it's like you know it's it, it just it, that didn't make sense to me it was like more about expressing yourself and stuff like that I guess yeah I'm like I I'm not sure uh, like what the statistics are but I'm um, like the younger generation are so like 
there's so much more openness to being trans yeah. and being non-binary um, and being open about it. And I find that really inspiring that um, like those people are my role models, you know. Uh, I want to make the world better for them and and that yeah just um younger trans people are just so inspiring um I I'm because I don't I when I was in secondary like I think I kind of started to kind of realize I wanted to transition when I was 17 even though I kind of felt like there was always kind of something weird and like I never really got along with boys and stuff like that and I was like I I just thought I was like a nerdy kid or something, but you know, uh, I am. Um, I've lost what I was going to say. I totally lost focus. In secondary school, about how you want, at seventeen you wanted to be trans and you weren't sure. I mean, you said you didn't get along with boys. Oh, uh, thank you, Jill. See, this is why you're my hero and I love you. Um, <laughs> I was okay. I was seventeen, and um, sorry. Okay. I didn't know if I wanted to transition, and like, I uh, sorry, I dropped out of school when I kind of started to realize I wanted to transition, because I I like I was like I I can't transition in that environment and stuff, and like the idea of like someone, I don't know if schools are better now for like being queer and stuff. I doubt it. Um, I I feel like young people are kind of more yeah like what the young people now, um, are more more woke like but um yeah it's probably the young people not the teachers. Like, just the idea of coming out of school is, like, so scary to me. Like, it, it it really takes, like, it's it's to be admired, I think, in a way. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I especially think this is a problem in Ireland. The fact that, you know, the Catholic Church still runs a lot of our schools means that, you know, if a teacher wants to you know, tell students or, like, give proper sex education to students it might go against the catholic ethos and so especially when i was in secondary school i didn't get proper sex education like my sex education was done by a court a catholic marriage agency you know so i wasn't told about like i wasn't taught anything about you know contraception birth control, trans people, even like LGBT identities are sexualities outside of heterosexuality. So uh, that's why it's, you know, an important fight is the separation of church and state because like these young people are not being taught about the importance of consent they're not being taught about you know their bodies uh they're not being taught about you know gender identities outside of male or female sexualities that aren't heterosexual you know um Uh, i i I just just reminds me when i was in school they said something like like because i think it was a class of 25 they said like on average 10 percent of people will be LGBT, so like two and a half people in your class. And I think I assumed this your day. I think six people in our class ended up being some kind of LGBT. Because it was two trans men, a lesbian girl, a guy who I've seen him in Panty. I'm assuming he's some kind of queer, but I'm not sure. I'm not going to say his statement. Oh, another trans guy. So it's two trans guys and me. 
and an asexual guy. So what's that, seven? Yeah, well, that's like on average. I don't think it's like in every class. I think it's more for every couple hundred of people. Like some maybe. Uh, I guess. But, yeah. but even I feel like those statistics aren't accurate because if you think yeah. about it, you know, there's going to. I remember seeing something on Twitter about um, like turfs and trans folks were giving out because that like Gen Z are apparently more trans now and more people are identifying as trans and it's like yeah because oh, yeah. there's more acceptance and I feel like if yeah. you know loads of people from my my parents generation the generation before that I feel like more people would have came out as like trans non-binary bisexual pansexual asexual I feel like more people would have come out if there was more acceptance uh so even you know that the statistics for how many people are LGBT i personally feel like there's so many more lgbt people in the world but because it's so stigmatized people are afraid to come out yeah i i I totally agree like it's just like things that my parents would have said in like passing where i'd be like that's very like like i think my mom said before i was like she said something about dating women and she was like i never thought about it because no woman ever asked me so i don't know if i'm actually like interested in women and i'm like so like because she never been questioned she never like you know what I mean she never had the opportunity to explore her sexuality yeah I feel like uh, as there's more acceptance and actually more education about sexuality and gender that more people are going to feel comfortable coming out and absolutely yeah yeah which I I'm all for I'm I'm all for more queer people being in the world you know and as well we're just talking about young people remember we before well just while we were having our little uh set up we were talking about trans time and kind of like yeah yeah and um, uh, how we can have like different experiences and time i guess is it yeah i i mean i was so i got i've been getting really into tiktok uh during the pandemic just scrolling through it and there's this um there is this tiktok that talked about it queer time which i found very interesting it's this idea that time for queer people is a lot different for like people who are like cishet uh or like cisgender heterosexual and that for a lot of queer people we will have our like high school sweetheart in our early 20s or or mid 20s because we didn't get that experience when we were younger and I mean I personally feel like this uh that I'm living my adolescence in my early and mid 20s because I never got the experience of you know being non-binary when I was a teenager and that time is very different when you're queer because you're not you're not given the opportunity to be yourself when you're during your adolescence when you should be um like uh I have like I'm in a relationship now um and like this is one of the first relationships I've had where I've been ollie and i've been openly non-binary and 
so this idea of like a queer time is just I I get like it's fascinating to think about I don't yeah I've seen that before in like gay men on social on Twitter but I think it's taken as a joke this time because they're like in their 30s but I do understand what you're saying where it's like I think that's more being just like reckless and being stupid but you're talking about just like experiencing like things fresh for the first time because I haven't been yeah. in a relationship either and it's just like ooh, like I feel like at my age it is something I should have like been through already but I just like haven't and I'm like a touch embarrassed but it's like just the way my life has gone so it's like oh I got it and then you see older people come out and they yeah well not well like people who are like 40 plus and they talk about that as well so I do understand that and it's something I think a lot of people experience like regardless of age so yeah I agree mm-hmm. yeah like you could come out in your 40s but in you're like you're like living as yourself for only like a couple of years you know that you could be living like living your 20s when you're 40 because you've just come out as trans you know and I do feel I won't say bad but I have a lot of empathy for people who come out later because some of them have like gotten married to like either cis men or cis women and then they have to contend with like the whole narrative of oh you lied to me you took like these great years from my life and I just yeah makes me sad and I understand where the partner was coming from but then it's also like I don't think this was a choice that they made intentionally it was just a like coping mechanism well I guess I'm talking about things I don't really understand at this point being like 40 and coming out of trans when I'm like 24 or 20 oh god I'm 25 (gasps) okay I just went on a tangent I'm sorry (laughs) That's okay. <laughs> Alexander, do you have any experience with trans time, bitch? Uh, I think definitely about, like, not experiencing adolescence. Um, I don't know. That might have been in part because I had, like, bad anxiety and I was, like, not very social and stuff. But um, I, I one thing I was telling Ali before, um, the, the one kind of date, like, kind of real date, I guess, I was on as a teenager and I used, like, quotation marks because... It was my birthday and I invited this person I had a crush on to like my birthday and it was really just kind of an excuse to be like, I want to hang out with you. <laughs> um, and like I had no idea how to flirt, you know, because I was living as a boy, I would like make cupcakes and give them to this person and that was like me flirting. Um, <laughs> Which is a perfectly valid way to flirt with someone. <laughs> I'd love to get cupcakes. <laughs> and like, I don't know, in retrospect, it's like a very kind of girly thing to do. So it's kind of confirm con- confirming gender positive um affirming that's the word and um but this person ended up coming out as a trans man so i won't say like their name because i think they're kind of active in ireland but uh like actors and stuff (laughs) but um i don't know that was like my first experience of like a trans person in real life yeah and that was really weird and i guess it was a bit weird because i'm not really into guys so it was kind of like oh i had like this completely different view of who this person was um and I think that says a lot about like trans or even queer people yeah. like we tend to flock towards each other <laughs> yeah because like it was my best friend time was then the second person that came out as trans and sorry two of my best friends so one came out as a trans guy and the other best friend came out as ace 
But we always kind of knew that he was ace. But um, and then like I was trans, and I guess gender or queer sexually. Like I I I have a hard time describing sexuality because it's very not non like. I don't know what the right word is. I just feel attracted to some people. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I don't want to label it because I'm like people are people. I'll take them on an individual basis. Yeah. But um. But then, like, definitely, kind of, my twenties, I started a date, and like, my first like real relationship was like twenty three. So like, and it's like that's quite late compared to like a lot of people. But in a way, I also feel like maybe it was kind of positive because I feel like I got to be more mature, and in a way, it kind of made the experiences like less awkward and more kind of exciting as well. Because it's like not there's, there's no real kind of pressure of like you know, trying to keep up with everyone else or so. I don't know. That's just how I guess how I felt when I was a teen and then like being older kind of made me yeah, made it yeah. a bit easier. <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> Someone else say something out. Well I know I didn't get that. I also see how that admitted one, but as a teenager it was kind of like if I did anything, I would got like ridiculed and if I was near a guy because like, oh sadly I do like men. They would say I was with this guy <laughs> and sometimes I was like I just passed them, but I would guess I was just an easy target to make weird rumors about. So I was like, what? Yeah, I mean, I had that, like, people always asking me if I was gay as well. And there was these girls who would never stop. So I stepped back a year. And, the, like, these girls I hadn't met, I didn't know them throughout, like, my school. But, um, so I, when I was doing repeating fifth year, they were like, are you gay? Are you gay? Are you gay? And eventually I was just like, all right, whatever. I don't care. Sure. And from then on, they just decided I was gay. And I was like, this is like, and I knew I was trans at that time. So it was like such a like, like we're like totally misrepresented. Like, <laughs> I, mean, like I mean, I guess I am gay as a woman, <laughs> but yeah. they didn't see me as that. So that's kind of where the oddness kind of came from. Actually, Joe, Ollie, totally nothing to do with anything else. But I feel like we totally skipped over this. You co-founded Trans and Intersex Pride. Let's talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> let's let's shut up about love and relationships. Ew. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, I'm the founder of Trans and Intersex Pride. I organize it with a intersex activist um we obviously haven't had didn't have a pride last year because uh we're locked in and covid but uh for the oh god i this year has just been i've just completely forgotten all the years so we've had one in 2018 and then uh, our second one in 2019 and so yeah, we base uh we founded Trans and uh Trans Pride at that point and has now been renamed Trans and Intersex Pride to incorporate um, you know, the fact that there's an intersex activist involved and also because uh we feel like the two struggles yeah. are very linked um with this idea that, you know, gender isn't binary and also sex isn't binary and the idea of like bodily autonomy for intersex people and for trans people so we or uh set up trans and uh trans and intersex pride as kind of 
uh, a reaction to what we felt was this growing radicalization within the trans community and the fact that, you know, f- uh, mainstream prides um, in Ireland and a, like internationally were, were over corporatized very much catering to like businesses and had lost the radical roots you know that you would see would have seen with like the likes of stonewall and what pride was set up to do was to be a protest and you know ireland has seen huge progress with the likes of you know marriage equality uh gender recognition and even uh, with abortion rights but there is still so much more that needs to be done that we can't have pride just be this sort of like corporate event like obviously we can celebrate the fact that you know Ireland has like these um these rights that we've won but we also need to remember that there is still so much to fight for, like I was saying, with the whole separation of church and state, you know, we can't even get sex education into schools, you know, um, and even the state of trans healthcare in this country and, and that kind of thing. And that we, that uh, it was started, you know, in 2018 after the the uh, repealing of the Eighth Amendment and the fact that, you know, people, especially young working class people were like came out to vote. You know, it was my sister's first time to vote. And while mine was the my first time to vote was the marriage equality referendum, you know, that people were kind of looking for the next social issue to to fight for um and that people were you know we won marriage equality and repeal true um grassroots uh movements from below and that this wasn't just handed to us by the government you know this you know we need to fight to win these things that they're not just going to be given to us you know and um, so that was very much the inspiration behind trans pride that um our first our theme for the first year was bodily autonomy because um you know people came out to give uh pregnant women pregnant people the right to have an abortion and we were saying like you know it should be a right for us to have control over our own bodies. You know, we shouldn't be treated like we have a mental illness, you know, that trans healthcare should be properly funded, that it should be free, that, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so I guess that's kind of like the story of trans and intersex pride. Um, so we went to Alt Pride in 2019 as the Sterling's Collective, um, kind of against the corporatization. I feel like as well, it hasn't been doing a lot for trans in particular. Yeah, Pride, like yeah. it feels like we've got gay marriage now. We fight for trans rights, and we're kind of not doing that. We're kind of just going, "Oh, we've got gay marriage, yay!" <laughs> yeah, but um, I think people don't understand that you know, just because we have like marriage equality doesn't mean yeah. that you know homophobia has ended, transphobia has ended, yeah. you know. Uh, that there's it's like second 
yeah kind of second wave feminism kind of didn't do a lot for minor my women in minority groups yeah yeah just kind of because like women have the vote you know doesn't mean that like yeah. sexism and misogyny is over you know yeah yeah as well well in particular we we were against the, the guards who weren't really happy with them being involved and a major thing i guess this year last year within the past 12 months uh izzy kamikaze who was involved with kind of starting pride in ireland bit of a celebrity uh got attacked by i i don't know what word to use exactly but kind of anti-mask people i think alt-right possibly yeah i don't know if you want to say that alt-right yeah i i just didn't want to say that (laughs) because anti not nice people like um anti-mask covid conspiracy theorists yeah um, (laughs) so he's one of hit her with a a two by four wrapped up in an irish flag very patriotic yeah and uh the guards i don't think are very (laughs) helpful uh definitely the media wasn't they kind of were like yeah i like because izzy was just around and she was just kind of observing and they were like she was counter-protesting and she's like no i wasn't i was literally just yeah i know some people were counter-protesting i'm not sure was she one of them but i think she might well she said she wasn't that definitely Okay, fine then. She was then. I'm not gonna say she like, wasn't. She, she, was she didn't do anything to provoke. I guess is the the main takeaway. You know what I mean? She she didn't start a fire out. And yeah. She was just exercising her rights. I guess it is um, scary to see the amount of people showing up to those protests. Like, um, yeah, last week's protest. Yeah, um, the guy the fireworks there. That was it last week. Oh. I think there was one in Cork as well last week. Yeah, no, it was two Saturdays ago. Yeah, yeah. I th- oh, was was there violence with that as well? No, I think I've been reading some stuff, and it's like um, the people who organized it initially they weren't the most pleased with the whole like outbreak of violence. They want to get their point mm. across that like the way that we're going, we could be continuously in a lockdown. Yeah. I think it's yeah. a whole QAnon conspiracy kind of thing oh. that seems to be quite easy to hook into, especially in COVID yeah. times where yeah. everything is like a mess and anything you can like cling on to is helpful. And I think they just want to think it's like, just people are so sorry. Peacefully protest. Well, maybe not peacefully protest. I, they I just think... want to like make their point and be clear that they're like, we don't like lockdown. We don't like COVID. Yeah. Yeah, violence kind of like we've been in it, like as Ireland, it's like what 170 or 180 days now or something like that. I don't think it's 180 yet, but it's getting there. Wait, what is since uh, since like workplaces have been closed? Oh, well, it has nearly been a year, yeah, it's nearly for a lot of things. year, yeah. yeah. Um, but like we were open full for a while in like uh, September, and then I think it's their measuring since then, okay, I think. Well, yeah, it's like we've gone back so many times. It's October, like, November, yeah. November. And then as well, um, wasn't there that thing, Jules, at first Pride? Not like, so Pride in Ireland started because there was a man, Declan Flynn, who was murdered. Yeah. At, in Fairview think, Park yeah. by five young men, and they were given no consequences for their... Yeah. I think they were let off because it was like... It might have been that upstanding like thing they like to use. They were some good families or whatever, and even yeah, yeah that's exactly what they said. <laughs> we'll yeah. get we'll used whenever chat. anything like that happens. 
It is like still does. But yeah, there was, I think someone like someone who didn't like gay people uh, or like lesbians and anyone in that kind of vein, they crashed their car or they like, maybe not crash, but they like, I'll say crash if someone's like on your bumper. There was someone on their bumper. I remember Izzy telling us that like the cop, I mean the police, I do sound American, but like we're Irish. They didn't do anything. And that's just kind of, I feel kind of icky with them being at Pride still. And because I don't think as what happened with Izzy recently, they've kind of moved on so much since the 80s in regards to like helping queer people. Yeah, like like we're not seeing, because as well, because Izzy was so involved with founding Pride in Ireland. Yeah. Like, well, she was at the first marches for years until she felt it was getting too corporate and kind of stopped. But, um, yeah, just the, the fact that the guards didn't really respond very well for someone being attacked who was part of the LGBT community. It just, it's like, why are they a pride? Why is this authoritative government body a pride no, when they've, I rem- you know? Anyway. I think I remember reading, sorry to interrupt you, but I think they were there because <sighs> they had members who were part of the community or something. And they were like, we want to show our support. And I was like, okay, they can come without being a part of the official guardie or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because it could be seen as a threat, like even having the guards at Pride. I remember at All Pride, there was, what do they call them? Is it like a special force? There was like, they had battling rams. There was like a van parked near. Oh, was there? Yeah. I, don't, I have no idea what they're called, but it's yeah. It's at the Abbey Theater. I remember just seeing them, and then I saw yeah. pictures, and I was like, there was a lot more than I thought. Um, yeah. The only thing that, like, happened, like, the only thing that happened was, like, a bunch of people, like, were wearing pig's nose and ran past, and was like... Were they, like, oh. That was, like, the whole, like, the extent of, like... <laughs> huh? Do you remember that? They were, like, because, like, the guards of pigs kind of... Oh, yeah, but I also think there was, like... We took up a bridge, and I asked someone, and she was like, yeah, it's illegal, and I was like, oh my god, what? Yeah, I mean, even uh, yeah, I guess. organizing the past to, to in-person, like, trans prides, like, we were told by the guards that we couldn't march, yeah. um, and that, like, obviously, we weren't gonna take that. We were like, no, like, this is our democratic right to protest, and that kind of thing like the guards you know are like they can either help us but or not but we are like it was our decision that like we are going to march because it is a protest uh and because these issues are important you know i had no idea about like that like they they said to you that you weren't allowed to march yeah i mean i feel like like we we ended up, like, it went ahead anyway, but the fact that, like, the guards thought that they can, like, yeah. they could tell us that we couldn't march, and it's like, no, like, this is a protest. Like I said, like, this is our democratic right to protest, you know? <laughs> Put on shades. Uh, yeah. <laughs> deal, deal with it. Deal um, with it. <laughs> I, I feel like a big part of why Pride has been or LGBT rights have been kind of moving forward, it's because Pride generates so much money. Yeah. For a, corp- for a corporation. Like, it's a new holiday. That's It's the summer holiday. You have Halloween in October, Christmas, uh, Easter. Now we have, and St. Patrick's Day, I guess, in spring as well. And now we have summer holiday. We have Love Day. 
Yeah. Corporate love day, trademarked. Yeah. No political affiliations. Yeah. And it's like, Ugh. what are these companies doing any other time of the, the yeah. year? You know, it's like, they're like the likes of Facebook marching in pride, like, Facebook has oh, yeah. a transphobic name policy where if you're a trans person who's using their name on Facebook and you get reported, like, you have to, like, prove that you've been using that name with, like, an ID. So if you can't afford or you don't have your name legally changed, like, your profile can be taken down. Like, why are they allowed to merch? Um while you know like community groups activists lgbt people are kind of pushed to the side you know it's just become a corporate festival um but like these companies do nothing for the lgbt community absolutely um and i mean like like google like youtube a lot of the ads and um yeah what was it they were they were putting but even like if you put like gay lesbian trans in any of your titles like you won't get any ads so how are like lgbt creators supposed to make money on youtube you know and like i don't even like how youtube treats like normal creators because they're basically unpaid employees um in a a very kind of roundabout way They're, they're basically like like youtube doesn't pay them a fair wage for the amount of work they do yeah and um i I don't know i i know it's complicated but i think they've seen a self-employed sorry yeah but it's like youtube are still taking a cut from what they're doing i know it's just like it's like i guess like it is youtube's platform but it just feels dishonest for them to take money and not give support back you know and then when they start attacking like minority groups or i don't know if attack is the right word yeah like they the sort of yeah. like I uh, I forget what it's called, but the kind of algorithm, like if you watch yeah. like one, you know, far right or even like like right wing conservative video, the algorithm's gonna start showing you more and more of that stuff, and that's why so many people have been indoctrinated to like these COVID conspiracy, anti-vax conspiracies because yeah. of the algorithm and youtube hasn't been doing anything about this absolutely like yeah um I, i'm not a fan of google i guess yeah <laughs> like everything with their algorithms and uh, like i don't really want to get into it too much because i know i'll be like i'll give like six years worth of exposition and our time is oh yeah of... like you could do a whole podcast episode about this yeah <laughs> and um <laughs> we are kind of like starting to kind of come to the end now yeah um how's the show wait hold on if this was like a cartoon or something you know we'd have to come up an easy solution for everything and solve all the problems we've discussed today okay we'll do it now oh god we'll solve solve transphobia and (laughs) yeah youtube (laughs) um i i don't know if we can do that but what we can do is uh, keep fighting yeah, there's a, what's yes. the word for like working together? I always forget it. Solidarity. So that's the word. <laughs> uh, we can show solidarity. We can yes. maybe attend trans pride. 
yeah. well, I don't know. Once we're we're allowed, once we're allowed to go outside again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe there's like some kind of digital trans pride. Yeah, get, like, I mean, trans yeah, artists maybe to like do a little concert or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see uh, how the rest of the year goes, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, Ali, is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, I mean, like, uh, Trans and Intersex Bride has a Twitter, uh, at Dub Trans, Trans Trans Pride Dublin on Instagram, Trans and Intersex Pride on Facebook. Uh, am I allowed to plug my own stuff? <laughs> um, my Twitter yeah. is yeah. Uh, Comrade That's underscore Ollie. <laughs> my instagram is class Sorry. conscious queer um you know i i'm always like i i say my personal you know accounts because if anyone wants to talk to me about you know being trans trans rights you know my dms are always open i'm always happy to have conversations with people you know it's why i do what i do because i think you know the more the more we talk about these topics the more normalized it can be and the more you know we can get people fighting on our side so yeah yeah i'm always open to messages and stuff so that's me i mean we might maybe some people who have been on the podcast might even get in, like I, I don't know just because we have so many different people you know like creators yeah. artists, comedians and everything um no problem thank, thank you so much uh, thank you so much for uh, having me on thank you <laughs> thank you okay. you're great and um, if people people want to check out our, our our twitter or our facebook or instagram as all just the sterlings i'm sure there'll be links as well thank you so much uh goodbye